Hey you. Yes, you. Thanks for tuning in to the Healthy, Wild, and Free podcast. My name is David Benjamin. I'm your host and the founder of HealthyWildAndFree.com. If you're like me, you understand that health, the mind-body-spirit-heart connection, and living a green, eco-friendly, sustainable lifestyle are some of the most valuable and life-enhancing lessons that we can learn and pass on to our children to live happy and abundant lives. That's why this podcast was created, to help you grow in these areas. If you aren't already subscribed to the newsletter, go to HealthyWildAndFree.com, click the box at the top right-hand corner to get a free copy of our latest ebook, and you'll be subscribed to be notified about future podcasts. Thanks for subscribing and tuning in. Enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is David Benjamin, your host of the Healthy, Wild, and Free podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking with Victor Davich. He is the author of Eight Minute Meditation. And we're going to talk about meditation, the benefits of meditation, and how you can get started meditating with just eight minutes a day. And uh, Time Magazine calls his uh, Eight Meditation book the most American form of meditation yet. And it's kind of funny because most times I hear, you know, the most American kind of form of something or something along those lines. I It kind of freaks me out a little bit. Well, when it comes to meditation, uh, it's something that's obviously going to add value to your life, and we'll get into that those topics today. But uh, we're going to discuss the benefits of meditation, why it's worth implementing in your life, and uh, really just how it can benefit you and your health and your well-being overall. Uh, Victor Davich has been an attorney, producer, and create, a creative executive at Fortune 500 companies. He has meditated for over three decades. He's the creator of the Amazon best-selling 8-Minute Meditation and 8-Minute Stress Reduction Programs. His books have empowered over 100,000 people, transform their lives, and he's going to be coming out with a new iPhone application called Simply 8, which will be released this fall, uh, and we're probably going to talk about that in the interview, because I'm definitely curious about that. So let me pull him on the call right now, and um, hey, Victor, are you there? Uh, I hope so. Uh, you are there. How are you doing today? Good. Good. We have a little bit of an echo, I think. Oh, you can hear an echo a little bit? Now it's gone. Okay, hopefully it stays that way. Good. Can you hear me so, okay? Yeah. Say what? Okay. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Okay, great. So I kind of wanted to start off the interview kind of like I start most interviews and ask you, how did you initially get into meditation and what uh, kind of facilitated in that uh, in the pursuing uh, meditation? Well, my story is uh, maybe a little different than other people's entry into uh, to meditation. I came to meditation for very practical, not spiritual reasons. Um, I'll tell you what, what that means. Uh, I was a first-year law student in New York, and uh, I don't know how people who've gone to professional schools or college or any school where there's a lot of pressure on you. Uh, it was really getting to me, and uh, I got, was very anxious um, uh, in my first uh, semester at the law school, and um, I didn't know what to do about it. I had no, um, uh, not even a knowledge of meditation, and in New York City at the time, meditation was, or in the country actually, meditation was relatively unknown, except as something very flaky, uh, a connotation of something flaky. So, um, but one day there was a sign up at the law school that somebody was coming to teach 
a, uh, an introduction to something called transcendental meditation, which I had actually heard of. And um, I decided to go to it. And the uh, person who came was an alumni of the school who was uh, meditating using TM. And um, what he told us, very few of us who showed up, probably two of us, uh, was that um, meditation could help you, um, your memory, and it could help your uh, productivity. And those were two things that were very important to me as a law student. So um, I went, uh, at the time, uh, was initiation into TM was very inexpensive. So I was able to go and get initiated into TM, and I was given a mantra to repeat uh, twice a day for 20 minutes, which is a long time. But if you're a law student, one thing you learn how to do is to sit and sit still, you know, to sit on your tush for extended periods of time. So I started to do this uh, TM uh, technique, and I really just, uh, it resonated with me. I just fell into it, and uh, I found it very relaxing and uh, transporting and um, when I was done with a TM session, I'd always feel calmer, and I was able to do um, my work more efficiently. And as it turned out, I believe it did help me in law school. It helped my grade point average and all that. So um, it was a very practical introduction into the world of meditation. Uh, and over the last 30 years, of course, you can imagine that that's evolved into a many, many different uh, other kinds of benefits. For sure. When, so when you started out, it was really kind of more to optimize uh, your your mental cognition and to just really be more effective in law school, basically. Um, as you, so you started out, what was it 40, 40 minutes a day then? And then over time, did you, when did you kind of, re, do, do you meditate eight minutes a day right now or do you still meditate more than eight minutes? I've been meditating now for over three decades, and uh, I meditate every day, and I meditate for different periods of time, but uh, they're usually longer than eight minutes, and uh, one reason I created this program was to get people into a habit of meditation in an easier way than TM did it, which was 40 minutes a day, and they were very um, uh, clear about uh, keeping to that schedule. And I, a lot of people who start out meditating uh, really uh, can't do that kind of time uh, for either time constraints or their lifestyle, or they're just not, it's, I don't know if it's such a great way to introduce someone to meditation to make them do something. I'd rather right. invite them. And eight minutes is uh, actually one of the reasons Time Magazine calls it the most American form of meditation, is that eight minutes is the time between two television commercials. And I chose that purposely because my feeling was that, uh, as Americans, we are programmed into these eight-minute attention modules from a very early age. And my desire with eight-minute meditation was to take advantage of that quote-unquote programming, so that people could sit for an eight, for a period of time and not and and be able to 
devote themselves to concentration and focus uh, with uh, previous experience, which they didn't even know they had. Mm -hmm. You talked about in your book how the practice of meditation over years can encourage the brain to basically rewire itself and to, uh, to be happier. How does that work exactly? You know, I don't know, and um, I don't know if the scientists know, mm-hmm. but it, there are, been, uh, and, and as we move along um, in history, a lot more studies are being done on something called neuroplasticity, which is the brain's ability to uh, reform itself. You know, there was this old theory that the brain was set and that brain cells died and neurons died, and that was that. They never regenerated. Well, they're finding now that that's not exactly true. So there's a lot of research being done on this, and findings that, um, from what I can gather, and to be very simple about it, uh, without getting into more complicated science, um, it seems that there's an area of the brain called the cerebral cortex, which is the part of us that um, uh, where where our happiness area is located, I mean, for want of a better way of saying it, and that by meditating, you're stimulating that area, and that Hmm. results in changes in the brain in that particular area and and can or might result in your being um, uh, calmer, and uh, more relaxed, and when I guess basically if you're calmer and more relaxed, you're going to be happier. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, it's interesting how, you know, you, when you started to meditate, for you is more of a, uh, to improve your memory and your, and your cognitive performance, um, but I think everyone kind of has different goals for their, for their mind, for their body, for their spirit, for their overall health and well-being. Uh, can you talk about some of the benefits that you've experienced and then the, some of the benefits you've seen people experience when it comes to meditation and how it's added value to their lives, whether it be on a mental, physical, or kind of spiritual level? Right. Well, I think you've touched on on the three major areas that we live in. We live on a, in a, on different planes, on a spiritual plane, uh, a mental plane, and a physical plane. And um, meditation is uh, something that can um, uh, be beneficial to all three of those axes of of being, so to speak. And uh, I don't know if there's much really to say on it. It, uh, You know, I've been around meditators now for over 30 years. I've gone on long retreats. I've studied different disciplines such as uh, Zen and Vipassana meditation, which is called Insight now. It's called Mindfulness Meditation, and also some Tibetan meditation. And I have found that all of these practices, whatever I've learned from each of the teachers I've been to and the readings I've done, have all informed my character and uh, philosophy of life. I think that you can't not be meditating for a period of time and not have the fundamental, your fundamental view of the world change and change for the better. And uh, by the better, I mean 
um, to change and be and see the world real as um, really see the world and kind of come out of that dream world we function in most of the time. Hmm. So, so do you feel over time, uh, through and because of meditation, your perception of the world has has shifted? Uh, definitely, that has happened for me, and I know it's happened for many other people. Uh, it becomes uh, part of your life. Uh, one of the reasons that um, one one of the things that I uh, the reasons I created the eight minute meditation program was so that meditation could become part of everybody's life, even at eight minutes a day, and then become um, form a habit. Um, of, med- of meditation so that it became just part of your life like brushing your teeth. And if we get up in the morning and we're getting ready to function for the day and we don't brush our teeth, we might feel like something's missing, like we forgot to do something. Well, I'd like to see meditation looked upon as, as that, as something that you do and that, and that it changes you. You don't have to really try to do too much. You just do the meditation and the meditation will um, will come to you and really help you in your life. Uh, one of the great teachers once said, if you take one step towards meditation, it will take nine steps towards you. Hmm. And I really believe that. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, uh, o- over time, how kind of specifically, like in, in the world, um, have how, how have you seen the world how has your perspective shifted over time? Like before you started meditating and then kind of over the years, how do you feel that meditation in what kind of specific ways have you kind of shifted your perspective because of meditation? Well, I think I've, I basically uh, become more, uh, I've become a calmer person a less mm-hmm. anxious person, which is how I, I started out with the very high levels of anxiety. So that is, that is uh, a more relaxed person and uh, more open to what's going on around me, more um, attuned to what's going on around me, and more compassionate towards other people. Mm-hmm. Those are all because good shifts. Part of, <laughs> sorry? I said those are all good shifts, I would say. Yeah, I mean, compassion, you know, is something that we can talk about, and because it's a very important aspect of meditation, kindness and compassion for yourself and for others. And uh, a lot of times people think meditation is just, oh, I'll sit down and I'll watch my breath for eight minutes and or I'll do this and that. But there are other practices, and in the actual tradition, uh, the Buddhist, uh, meditation traditions, which eight-minute meditation is informed by, although it's a non-denominational, non-sectarian kind of meditation. Uh, compassion for self and others is a very strong component of the practice. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You talked about uh, in your book. Uh, mindfulness. And uh, I I know some people are kind of familiar with the concept of mindfulness, but I think it's kind of still, it's kind of undefined to some degree. So uh, what is, what is mindfulness to you? How would you define that? Well, you know, mindfulness is now the current flavor of the month term that's used 
uh, out in the world to discuss uh, meditation. You know, it's it's very interesting that um, what happens with terminology and how we can get confused by it. The um, there was a um, there's a great expression that says that the map is not the territory, or the menu is not the meal. So when we talk about all of this meditation and all of these things, there is absolutely no substitute for a direct experience of actually meditating. Mm-hmm. Right. Once you start to do that, a lot of the words you've read, a lot of the articles you've read, or things you've heard will begin to make sense, but not in a make sense in an intellectual way. They'll make sense in a way of insight. And what will happen is you will become uh, more attuned to your mind and body and the world around you. You'll also um, become uh, more um, able to let go of things uh, that come up. And to me, if you wanted a, a short definition of mindfulness or just another one to add into the confusion, I would say that uh, mindfulness is allowing what is. And when you allow what is to be there, to just be as it is, then you're seeing clearly and you're awake in the moment. And that, that is what I call mindfulness. Hmm. So it's kind of like removing a... Uh the lens of bias, if you will, that you 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 may have otherwise. Yes, that's just... a great a great analogy. Yes, um, it's kind of like it's like getting a new pair, of, taking off a pair of glasses that uh, or blinders. You know those things they put on horses so they can't see, only can see straight ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, this way you get the pan you get a panoramic view of life and yourself. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. It's something that I think a lot of people uh, would benefit from developing and and you know using meditation as a tool to do to do that. Uh, and you talk about in your book a little bit the the mindfulness muscle, and I thought that was kind uh-huh. of interesting. Uh, uh-huh. What what is the mindfulness muscle, and, and how does meditation kind of build right. that muscle? Well, it's not exactly that we can isolate it like your triceps or your biceps, but I right. think it is an analogy. Because um, to me, a meditation is a developing, it's a developing program or practice, so to speak. So if you were uh, going to um, try and, and build up your triceps, and then you went into the gym and did about 150 reps the first day, you'd probably be very sore, and um, you wouldn't see much of a difference. But if you went in and you did a um, um, a prudent, measured program of reps where you would add on maybe five a day or ten a day, by the end of a couple of weeks, one day you would just notice, wow, you know, you notice that muscle is really defined. And it, I, I find that it's the same thing for people when they start to meditate. They start, they dive right in and they really want to see a result and it's usually very counterproductive. So what I suggest, and that's why we talk about eight minutes as a, as a really good time period to begin with, is that you develop your mindfulness muscle, you develop that uh, awareness, awakeness muscle 
slowly. And by doing that, I mean the eight-minute meditation program has you meditating for eight minutes a day for a week and then changing to another meditation technique. And there are eight meditation techniques. And by the end of those, um, um, I'm doing the math in my head, in 56 days of meditating, you will probably have a very good habit of meditation and a very good taste of meditation. And from there, the book has what's called, I call it the upgrade section, which is a way, a program to add minutes on to your meditation on a daily basis or to do two meditation sessions a day, building and building and building up until actually it's time when you're ready to go to maybe a a meditation teacher or retreat or something like that. And um, people I know who have done this have had a lot of success and really now have strong meditation practices where they would start out with with the eight minutes a day and I know people now meditating 20 minutes a day, twice a day. But they've built up slowly. They've incrementally built up that, what we call the, that mindfulness muscle. Right. And that just kind of becomes, I would assume, easier over time as you, as you develop that and practice it. Well, um, you know, like anything, um, meditation has its, uh, its, its ups and downs as an experience. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, um, you know, you're going to have this terrific experience every time you sit down to meditate. Let's put it this way. Um, a lot of people have um, suppressed a lot of, a lot of us have suppressed a lot of emotions and thoughts and all kinds of beliefs over the years. And as we start to quiet the mind, you know, uh, naturally you would expect that those kind of things are going to present themselves. So the idea of the meditation, uh, the techniques, is to, be, is to be able to not suppress the mind. I say We say not suppress, but surpass, not suppress thinking, but surpass thinking. And that's what these meditation techniques are mainly designed to do in, in my book. Gotcha. And I, I believe uh, I actually had someone on the show talk about transcendental meditation, and that's kind of what the word transcend means is to kind of transcend thought correct right right well we're talking about um, first of all i stopped um, doing tm over 25 years ago i did it for a few years until i found um the the the, the, the basic vipassana technique of vipassana teacher that brought me into a real uh serious practice of meditation with a teacher And uh, so I'm not really familiar with TM or what they do or how they do it anymore. But Mm -hmm. I would say that when I don't, I don't know if I really like to to say that you will transcend. Uh, It kind of has too much of a um, a new age uh, uh, label to it. I think that this is a you know the meditation eight minute meditation. It helps you develop a daily habit of meditation that can take you all kinds of places. And it's true that people can transcend their uh, experience of self and go into other experiences, but that's really not what meditation is about, to have some special blissful experience. Meditation is about living an awake life in the moment in the real world. Gotcha. 
and for many of my and for my colleagues. Mm-hmm. In in your book, you talked about, and I, I like this because I, it was kind of a different perception for me. Uh, learning about meditation in the past, it's kind of, from my perception, at least, you know, somewhat of a spiritual practice, or to some people, it's used as a as a spiritual practice, at least. But in your book, you talked about how it's it's good to actually have goals for your meditation. So, you know, are you doing this to, you know, for you, obviously, it started with improving mental performance, or are you meditating to reduce stress or uh, reduce anxiety, things like that? Uh, how how would someone who, who wants to get started meditating, um, you know, say with your book, eight, The 8-Minute eight Meditation, how would they kind of frame that goal and, and what... Uh, what w- advice would you give them as far as the goal, goals go in meditation? Right, right. Well, that's a great question. Um, first of all, you know we're we're, we're living in a, we live in a goal-oriented society as Americans, and we we want to see results. Of, we want to we're willing to do the work, and we want to see results. You know, mm-hmm. and so my approach to this is, you do the work, you'll see the results. That's the basis of the program. How you come into the program is a unique is unique as every individual who comes to it. Uh, you may have gone to the doctor who said, "Listen, your blood pressure is high. You, I'm putting you on medication, or I'm going to have to. Maybe you should try stress reduction and stress reduction. And I heard that meditation can help you reduce your stress." Somebody might come into the practice and say, you know, my mind is, uh, I have kind of like, I call it ADD light, and my mind is all over the place. I can't concentrate. I can't get my work done. I'm not being productive at work. You know, my job might be in jeopardy. They'll, they'll come to meditation. And in the book, uh, there's a section that talks about how you define your goal as to why you want to meditate. And and what you can do is after after the uh, if you give it it's if you give it uh, its full uh, treatment and do the eight weeks you then look at what you started out with as your goal and you see if you've achieved it now you may have uh, achieved that and you may have achieved stuff that's even better as far as you're concerned or different, or you may be surprised. But something's going to happen in those 56 days, and hopefully it's going to help you. Um, Most people come to meditation because they're not happy. You know, we have a lot of people with anxiety. We have a lot of people with depression. Uh, We have a lot of people with ADD. Uh, They come in, and um, after a period of time, those uh, those diseases start to abate, not completely disappear, but there's a beginning, and it's a very very uh, powerful experience when you can do that with your own mind, as opposed to having to resort to um, medications or other things, which are to me are are also very good uh, when used properly. Right, and oftentimes they're not, unfortunately, though. Um, I said oftentimes they're not, unfortunately. They're, well, you know, yes, I mean, I, you know, I am not against, uh, and I don't know any um, uh, a teacher that I've had um, of repute who has 
been saying that meditation is not something that can be used in conjunction with meditation. Mm-hmm. Why do you think meditation, or why or how, I guess kind of both, do you think meditation helps in, in cases of, of uh, well, any ADD or the, the things that you mentioned? What do you think? What do you think it's doing in the body that's creating that change? Well, I, be, I, I believe that, you know, we talked about the mindfulness muscle, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, is a, um, I believe you can actually, what, what we're doing when we're meditating uh, is, is, is reprogramming, we're reprogramming our minds, we're recalibrating our, 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 our brain, so to speak. And um, what that, what, what a, you know, I mean, I can't put in, you know, there's not a lot of, um, hard evidence, or you can't put your finger on the brain and say, ah, this part uh, changed uh, for mm-hmm. the better. I mean, you can put your, you, you can now look at the brain and say, this part has changed, but we don't know what that means really. So um, I think really, uh, as I said before, the map is not the territory. And to really start to understand what we were even talking about this morning, and your questions are great, and I'm trying to be respond in as clear a way as I can, there's no substitution for trying, for meditating, and it's very simple and easy to do. It's not, it's not, you're not, no one is too, uh, is not spiritual enough, no one is not smart enough, no one doesn't have eight minutes a day, no one, um, um, is um, eat somebody you know no you don't have to be a vegetarian you know <laughs> all of this stuff is just a lot of um, I think negative publicity right but uh, so I recommend that people whether they use you know take my program or not start with a simple short meditation program and then see for themselves what happens right. It's kind of funny you say that. It's kind of like there there is almost sort of like a a, a propaganda for the for the stereotypical meditator out there, which is kind of interesting, and I, and that you know kind of has to do with with uh, marketing and whatnot. Um, it I like how like I said, kind of just to go back to the goal part real quick. I like how you had that in the book because I'm I'm a goal oriented person and I like to see the tangible benefits of of new practices in my life, whether it be in my diet or fitness routine or meditation. Uh, But for some people, I think, you know, just looking to experience, to grow and to kind of, like you mentioned, have uh, benefits that they didn't know would come from meditation. uh, Is it okay? I mean, is it okay to start meditating without a goal and just kind of, you know, fly by the seat of your pants, if you will? Is that, do you recommend that or do you kind of recommend having a goal and kind of a a set path? Well, the Buddha didn't have a goal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> his only goal was to was to to, to re- reduce his suffering. Anybody right. who, on this planet who is at a point where they don't really need to reduce their suffering doesn't need to meditate. But I've never met a person like that in my life. I'm certainly not that person. The people I know are not that person. And so if you come into it just for the fact, pardon me, just for the fact that you want to reduce your suffering, 
that in itself is enough. In fact, that's, the, I think, probably the top reason to do this. Right, reducing suffering and kind of just increasing that sense of peace and well-being. Right. My teacher, Shinsen Young, uh, has a very a brilliant formula for this. He calls, he says, suffering equals pain times resistance. Hmm. And so what we do is, if we we can't pain, or and another way of saying it is, pain is going to happen, suffering is optional. And what we work on in meditation is reducing resistance. And when you reduce your resistance to what is, as we discussed before, allowing what is, then you're going to reduce your pain. And that could be physical pain as well as mental pain. That's an interesting loop. Uh, so can you, the pain, you're, you said in the beginning that you said you will have pain, but the suffering is, uh, is op- or not optional. I, I forget the words you used. Pain, but can you elaborate pain is on inevitable that? in this life. We're human right. beings in, in these in these encapsulated in these bodies and minds and we have painful thoughts and we have pain that comes to the body and we have painful emotions resisting those makes the pain increases the pain levels and when pain is increased suffering is increased if we can reduce resistance to what's going on we'll reduce our our suffering we may not be reduced the pain itself, but we'll re- reorient our way of looking at pain, not by intellectually doing it, but by through meditation, and we'll be able to reduce our suffering commensurately. Wow, I like that a lot. That's and that that does make a lot of sense because pain is really inevitable, and the attachment of that suffering is often well, it is. It's our our we prolong that. Right. So meditation can kind of cut that tie, if you will, uh, when practiced uh, consistently. Right. And, and what I just we're just discussing right now, although we're discussing it in terms of a like a formula that we learned in uh, high school, uh, thanks to the brilliance of Shinzen Young, is really the fundamental what Buddha called the first noble truth that that mm-hmm. there is pain in this world, or the four noble truths, there is pain in this world. As a human, you will experience pain, but you don't have to experience that pain the way you ordinarily would. There's a way to do something about that, and that is the path of meditation. Mm-hmm. Can you share that formula one more time just so our listeners have sure. it? Because I really like that. Sure. It's, su- it's very simple. It's suffering equals pain times resistance. Okay. So by reducing... Resistance reduce through meditation. Resistance and you reduce the exponent, uh, exponent, that exponent, then there's going to be less suffering on the other side of the equation. Awesome. Let's say you, um, um, you, you're putting a, uh, you're hammering a paint, uh, uh, you want to put up a picture on your wall. And uh, you, you, you get a nail and you grab a hammer and you're not paying full attention and uh, you hit your thumb. So that you, you, you're going to experience pain, right, David? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Now comes the next part. Is what's the resistance to that pain? Is it I'm such a moron, I didn't watch what I was doing? Why am I putting this picture up? I don't even like where it's going. Huh. Let somebody else do this. You can get into an entire litany 
of resistance to that pain. And as you go through that, all those reasons, all those reasons, and don't accept the pain just to be pain, oh, I hit my thumb. That resistance, those thoughts, those feelings, those emotions, all increase the pain, the amount of pain. Mm-hmm. And that amplifies the amount of suffering that you're going to experience. Right. And and we, we just amplify it based on our, our really kind of conditioning to some degree, I'd imagine. Yes. Which that's, yes, that's a good word. Yeah, that's an excellent word, amplification. Um, so if the pain is a level one pain, but the resistance is a level ten pain, then suffering is at a level ten. If the pain is a level one pain, and the resistance is a level at level one. There's no resistance. Then suffering is at a level is a level one. One times one mm-hmm. compared to one times ten. Right. So we we have a lot more. Uh, I want. I don't know if I want to use the word control, but uh, a good sense of control, a positive sense of control over our our lives in that aspect when we use uh, meditation, mindfulness to our advantage in these kind of situations? I would say that a mindful approach to any life, daily life activity will not only allow you to be more productive in the activity, it will allow you to enjoy what you're doing a lot more. Mm-hmm. Because you'll be there. You'll really be there for it. And right. you won't my friend Josh Barron calls elsewhere or else when, which is where most of us spend our days. Elsewhere or else when. Right. Huh. Um, I, I really like how uh, in your book you you really simplify meditation. I think we kind of all have this uh, view of, you know, Zen monks or Buddhists, you know, off in the mountains and shaved heads and, you know, meditating for hours and in a position that looks horribly uncomfortable, and uh, you really simplified it and brought it down to earth for anyone that wants to get started meditating. Uh, and I think that that's a great step for people looking to get started meditating. One thing that, for me, that was kind of difficult when I got started meditating was that I had a lot of mental chatter. It was something, just a lot of mental chatter. Uh, how would you recommend or what kind of mindfulness practice do you, do you teach your students to engage in to kind of reduce that mental chatter and kind of move into meditation with more ease? Well, you know, it's, it's very interesting. When people start to meditate, one of the first things, one of the first uh, experiences they usually have is that they they are, they discover their mental chatter is completely out of control. I call it like the waterfall. Mm-hmm. And uh, they start to think, some people will come to me and say, uh, you know, uh, meditation is making my mind go completely gaga. And uh, what's happening is, as you begin to meditate, you're going to start to notice how much mental chatter there actually is in the mind. And mental chat, the mind's job is to think. That's its job 24-7 is to think. The only way, if your mind, if you're not thinking, you've, probably you're dead. So until you, the day, the moment of our deaths, 
there's going to be thoughts going through the mind. The question is, what do we do with those thoughts? Do we try and beat them down and resist them and um, uh, pummel them to death? Well, as we know, that doesn't work. Even uh, on a simple basis, you know, you know, saying, I'm not going to do that, uh, I'm just not going to eat that extra piece of chocolate cake, suddenly creates an incredible urge to have it. So, Resistance. <laughs> so what, right. So what yeah. we do is, as I said, we, um, we don't suppress thinking, we surpass it through uh, techniques that we learn that resonate for us. You know, they said the Buddha taught 83,000 meditation techniques. There are many, many, many meditation techniques and teachers and ways of going about this. Each person should try and find the one that resonates for them and within that particular discipline find the, the narrow it down to ones that really work the best for them and start out with those. And uh, two pointers that I usually give in the uh, eight-minute meditation program I call them, there's a set of operating instructions because my feeling is that everything these days comes with operating instructions and why shouldn't meditation? So um, the operating instructions, the two, two of the ones that, will, that I can tell you help people in this area of thinking, one is called, I call it catch and release. And uh, in, I don't know if you're, I'm a fly fisher, uh, when I'm able to be one. And uh, mm-hmm. when we go out, and I was out in uh, Idaho a couple of years ago fly fishing, and the policy in the state, it's the law actually, it's called catch and release. So when you catch a fish, you get to look at it, take a quick picture, smile, be proud, and then you just drop the fish back in the water. And so I say you do the same thing with thoughts. You catch a thought, thought comes in, it catches you maybe, or you catch it, doesn't really matter. And then you just put it back in the stream of consciousness. So that's catch and release. Um, the other, I'm trying to think of the other, the other um, one is, a, I call it, in real estate there's a, a saying when we, when we look at, uh, when you look at real estate, the most important thing is location, location, location. Uh-huh. Well, I say in meditation, the most important thing is allow, allow, allow. So if huh. you can just sit for eight minutes and just when thoughts come up, go allow, 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 and allow those, that, those thoughts, you might experience a real reduction in your think in, in, in the mind chatter, and you will begin to see how powerful this practice could be for you. Mm-hmm. So to kind of sum that up, allow and release, but don't resist would be kind of the mindset to have. Right. Just like we talked about before about resistance. Mm-hmm. You know, meditation is allowing what is. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness is, is allowing what is to be what it is. And when we don't fight with the way things are, we have a lot more peaceful, happier, and more productive life. Right. I think that's partially for me when I got started and I think a lot of people is there's a there's a it's there's a feeling of resistance because it's not natural or it doesn't feel normal to just sit in a 
perfectly quiet zen-like state because we're so used to communicating or listening to music or watching a movie or tv or whatever it may be so we're used to being centrally engaged 24 7 otherwise except for when we're sleeping really so i think uh those are great tips to just help people kind of get into the habit and 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 the practice of it um but not to throw the the baby out with the bathwater. but mm -hmm. you know meditation will not meditation will enhance those experiences. It's not a separate thing that you do and then you go live your life. The whole mm -hmm. idea of meditation is to bring the, your practice into your daily life. And in fact, one part of the book, part of the upgrade program, it gives you examples of actually how to um, bring your meditation practice into your daily activities doing something as mundane as washing a dish and making mm -hmm. that an entire meditative experience. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a better way to wash the dishes to me. <laughs> At least well, get some value out of it. Well, it probably will drop less. Right. If you're really focused on it. Mm -hmm. Very cool. I'll have to try that one out for sure. Uh, you you mentioned that you have an iPhone application coming out for meditation. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm just I'm curious, what is that and, and what does it do? The iPhone, thank you for asking. The, the iPhone application is called Simply 8. And it's, um, what it does is we have, uh, I work, I have a, we have a team of people who have developed this app. My input has been from the, I guess, the meditation side. But what we're doing is we're trying to develop an app that will help people uh, recount an, an app that you can take with you wherever you go that will help you recalibrate your brain uh, wherever you are and in a very simple way. And so the application has three stages. One is called calm, one's called clear, and one's called aware. And what we do is we give you a technique of guided meditations within those three um, levels, uh, one guided meditation that you do, just like you do eight-minute meditation, you do it for eight minutes, uh, for eight minutes a day for a week, and then you move on to the next level, level two, and then up to level three. So by the end of 24 days, uh, you would hopefully uh, have, be able to achieve a, a, a level of, calm, clear, and awareness that you can um, um, access whenever you need to because it's right in your phone. Right, whenever and wherever. Are, are each of those meditations eight minutes then? Yes, each is eight minutes. Wow, that's and awesome. They're, they're based on the eight-minute meditation program, but the way that we're delivering it, we hope, will help people who are really on the go, who want to have something they can access right on a plane or the, before a meeting or something like that. Right. Where they'll get some, some assistance from us to get through it. And, and we'll, we send them, uh, we send out reminders. We keep you on track. Uh, we send out uh, uh, different uh, um, um, emails to you as you're working the program that help you get through it. Very cool. That that makes it nice too because you know um, the eight minute track so you go through the guided meditation it's kind of 
you know, you can plug it in and, and do the meditation with, with a lot of ease. Right. Uh, you so mentioned what that in the sometime I would say in mid fall we'll be beta testing and going into release. Very cool. Is there gonna be a place that you're gonna kind of publish when you release it, like a Facebook page or something or a website? We will have a, a dedicated website for that. And okay. um we will hopefully be uh the the people who uh, handle the uh um, marketing end of this uh, uh, have an understanding of how to make sure that people who are looking for it can find it. Right. So we Very don't have cool. the website up yet, but it will be mm-hmm. called sim- it will be called simply8.com. Okay. Very cool. Uh, in in our emails back and forth, uh, you, we talked a little bit about uh, your book, The Promise, and oh, the promise, I guess this yeah. cut kind of would have been good to bring up earlier uh, because it uh, feels like it's around mindfulness, a way to kind of become more mindful. Uh, with with In regards to the stop, look, and listen, can you talk about that kind of framework right. and how that can help people? Well, the promise is, a, um, the promise is, a, is another program that I created that kind of is informed by 8-Minute Meditation. What I wanted was for people to be able to simply uh, be able to access uh, the part of themselves, a part of ourselves that uh, that seems to be obscured a lot, which is our basic goodness and our basic goodness and our basic nature. And a lot of times, actually, you know, in our busy lives and how that can get masked and uh, suppressed. So I came up with a program that's called, I called it simply based on that, I don't know where, I I grew up in New York, so um, we were taught in second grade to stop, look, and listen before we crossed the street. I don't know if that's the same for people around the country, but it was a simple simple three-step thing you did before you cross the street because, as you can imagine, there's a lot of traffic in the city. And, um, you know, sometimes people don't stop when they're supposed to. So um, I created a program called Stop, Look, and Listen, which basically is about uh, stopping, which is the kind of uh, stopping your runaway thinking and relaxing and letting go of negative beliefs and decelerating and de-stressing your mind. And then look, the second part of the program, which enables enables you to go beyond these self-limiting negative beliefs and judgments and that are holding you back. And once you begin to be able to work uh, to to see some uh, reduction or opening in those two areas, the third stage is called listen. And it allows you to become attuned to what I call your best self, the the, the treasure within within each of us, uh, where you really will feel um, you can feel in a way you feel very rich. Mm-hmm. And the techniques there are many techniques in the book. There are stop techniques, there are look techniques, and there are listen techniques. And uh, I don't. I don't think we'll have time to go into a lot of them, but they are. Some of them are meditation techniques. Some of them are writing exercises. 
Some of them, one of them is taken from um, cognitive uh, therapy. One of them is taken from uh, or modeled after um, uh, a woman named Byron Katie who has something called The Work, which actually is a, a tremendously powerful uh, program that um, a lot of people around the world have been exposed to. So the idea is to, uh, and, and with, as with meditation, the idea is, is, or like your example earlier, of you know, just taking off those blinders, taking off those filters, and really being able to see who you are. Very cool. I, that, I like how you uh, expanded upon something so simple as stop, look, and listen, uh, and, and help people to understand how they can use that to their advantage and um, becoming more attuned to themselves. And, uh, and I like the concept of that, too, because it sounds like those are really mindfulness exercises, so it can help the listeners uh, kind of practice becoming more mindful. Uh, so I'll definitely link up uh, your that book in the right. uh, article right. as well, or in the, in the interview show notes. Uh, is right. there anything that I, this is kind of a, a off the wall question, but uh, the thing I like about meditation is that it's really it feeds the mind, body, and spirit. And what I'm what I'm doing with uh, with this podcast, Healthy, Well, and Free, is to create content and interviews that help people and their their health, their well being, their abundance, and just to live uh, more compassionate. Um, just higher value lives that really, so they feel more fulfilled and happy and then they give more of that to the world. Is there anything in your life specifically beyond meditation, whether it be uh, uh, fitness or diet or uh, something that just feeds your mind, body, or spirit that you would kind of recommend uh, someone walking down the street try out to add value to their life? Well, um, I think all of these things are important. As I said, we have there are different life axes that all go into the the hopper of well-being, mm-hmm. and uh, I, you know, I believe in in uh, exercise uh, that is important to us. I do a lot of swimming and tai chi and yoga. Very and, cool. Uh, I believe that diet is important, not a, a, a moderate diet, uh, and I believe that not taking Indulging in too many intoxicants is important. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also have a friend of mine, actually, are you in Detroit or in New York? Detroit. My, I have a friend of mine in Ann Arbor named Mark Lerner, who has a program called Life Skills, which I think I've been working with Mark now for about nine or ten years. And I have found um, his program incredibly uh, uh, powerful, and uh, it's it's completely different from what what we're talking about today. But if you're looking for uh, an alternative, or maybe you'll have him on your show at some time, uh, you will really be amazed by what he'll be able to tell you about living um, a, a healthy way to live your life. Very cool. Sounds sounds unique and interesting, and and Ann Arbor is not too far from me. <laughs> Right. So, uh, awesome. Well, thanks a lot for your time today, Victor. I really appreciate the value you've uh, you've brought to our listeners. And uh, is, where where can our listeners find you? What's your website? Well, the website right now we have we have www the number eight minutes m i n u t e s 
www.ghostdiaries.org will take you to my website, the 8-Minute Meditation website. And coming this fall, www.simply8.com will take you to our new phone app. Awesome. And you, do you have a Facebook page that they can like and, and show their I, support? You no, know, I don't. I don't. don't I'm yeah, still okay. learning how to do this stuff. Okay. I did see you on YouTube, so for all the listeners, I, I know you, I think you had a few kind of uh, exercises on, on YouTube, uh, um, so that's yes, another kind of resource. Yes, you can find me, uh, from what I understand, on YouTube. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, and uh, have an awesome rest of the day. It's been a pleasure, David. It's really nice when I am interviewed by someone who's so knowledgeable about what my program is. So, I you appreciate are. it. I yeah. appreciate it. All right. Take care. Okay, you too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. And we'll wrap the show with that. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Healthy, Wild, and Free podcast. And just a quick word from our sponsor. If you are looking to improve your health and wellness and try a supplement that is different than the typical supplement on the market, go to organicrainforestherbs.com. And I want you to try out the Fibrozone. Now, The colon is one of the most important organs for detoxification, for digestion, and the colon often gets backed up. So if you get the Rainforest Mint Fibers on from OrganicRainforestHerbs.com, I'm sure you're going to notice a difference in uh, the frequency of uh, your bowel movements. I know it's kind of crazy, but it it works. And uh, you're just going to feel clear. You're going to have more energy. You're going to feel more clear, and uh, a percentage of those profits from uh, OrganicRainforestHerbs.com goes to help pre- preserve the Amazon rainforest. So uh, it's a great product. It's organic. There's no additives or preservatives, and it works very well, and the percentage of sales goes to uh, the Amazon rainforest, uh, the ACR Foundation specifically. So thanks a lot for listening to the show. Make sure to subscribe to the Healthy, Wild, and Free podcast in iTunes, and I will see you in the next episode.